episode of the Scrumcast. I'm Jade Meskill. I'm Roy Vanwater. I'm Perry Reinert. I'm Alan Daly. All right. So today we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, corporate cultures. Um, so to get it started off, uh, do you guys think that there is a particular type of corporate culture that is more naturally inclined to be agile? Yeah, absolutely. There, there is um, uh, any kind of culture that is really embraces change is uh, one that's that's definitely more agile, more uh, likely to be good at agile. There's there's different cultures where uh, I've been in companies where there definitely is more of a an inertia that is against change and. Uh, um, I'm, I'm also in companies where it's it's let's make changes, let's make changes, and, and 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 it's through the company. It's at all levels in all different departments, and make the change and see what happens. Make the change and see what happens, and that's uh, that's that's a good thing. I think cultures that have that don't have like a stigma against talking back to your superiors. I guess I, that's not quite the way I want to put it, but like the idea of. The people in charge are open to input, not not just open, but constantly asking for input from the people that are beneath them. Or I would even say that the flatter uh, culture is, the the more everybody feels um, comfortable to add to the to the entire organization, that that would help um, agile adoption and and an organization be agile a lot. I think. There there are certain managers who, um, in my experience, who. Uh, naturally or they've learned to uh, allow usually it's individuals because they haven't thought about it on a team level yet but they allow people to self-manage or self-organize as it were in the agile sense um, and so cultures and, and managers or departments that have people in charge that have already allowed the the people that work around them and with them to make choices and take risks um, those are the types of, of cultures that, that will accept Agile or just look at it and go, hey, somebody codified what we already do. Yeah. Yeah, kind of to build on top of that, I think, I think failure and, and being able to fail, and uh, that's a big thing. Where I mean, uh, I've been in companies where, you know, the president and CEO stands up and says, hey, I screwed this up. I, this, I made a mistake. We did the wrong thing. We learn from it, and let's move on. And I think that attitude coming from the top uh, really makes a big difference. Where everybody sees that it's okay to fail. Then, yeah, I'm really glad. I'm really glad you brought that up because it's not just a willingness to change, right? It's it's how do you respond when things don't go according to plan? Yeah, yeah. So, what do you think? Uh, leads organizations down that path what what has happened in that organization that has put them in a place where maybe they're they're tolerant of risk and they're accepting a failure and they're they're willing to embrace embrace change what what has happened in that organization's development that's put them in that position uh perry's pointing at me but i i don't have an answer to that question um i have encountered companies that have been that way I have encountered companies that are the opposite, uh, if, if, if you call it an opposite, you know, but they're a different flavor that doesn't allow uh, failure or uh, it's not a safe place to fail. And 
I haven't seen a company change or been in a company when it's changing that drastically uh, to know exactly or be able to point at an instance when that changed. The, the only one I can think of is when there was a complete change of management in a department one time uh, and the, the, the managers that came in were a little more uh, you know, considered radical and uh, it, but it, did, it wasn't instantaneous you know it took six months eight months before some kind of new thought around failure and the al being allowed to uh, try new things uh, w happened. I think a large part of it comes down to having the right people especially to initially get it kicked off like if you've already got an agile organization then it probably isn't uh, it, like and somebody comes in that it doesn't necessarily fit in with the culture it's not as um, a big of a deal to indoctrinate them but if you're an organization that has the wrong culture now and you're trying to transform the culture like you have to, I, I almost feel like you have to have the right people and in fact in the the transformations that I've seen in nearly all of them there's been significantly turnover as a uh, significant turnover as the wrong people left the organization so that the organization could transform the way it wanted to Yes, I've seen that also. Yeah, yeah, I really believe, uh, again, kind of from the leaders on down and how they handle things. And, and you asked kind of what, what starts it. And I think having leaders that have either, either seen the success of making, you know, rapid changes and rapid corrections, you know, failing fast and making those rapid corrections, or also seen the failures uh, from, from not making changes, you know, being sort of stagnant and... Uh, you can end up, you know, failing that way also, and, and that can be a big impact on on the leadership. Uh, do you mind if I take this, Jade? Uh, I'm going to take this a little bit different direction because there's a subtle thing I've noticed recently about culture. Go for it. <clears throat> um, there's a company I was visiting with uh, last week uh, that the, the culture compared to mo many companies is good. Um, and bosses are nice guys and, and managers do well um, and they help their employees and they smile and they're all that. Um, the culture tend, this, at this particular company is that of the managers telling people what to do. They tell it in a nice way, in a kind way, but as they sit the employee down and they say, here's what's going to happen, here's what we're going to do. Do you have any objections? And uh, I, I noticed that that creates kind of a culture of compliance. In other words, nobody's unhappy, uh, and they wouldn't say they're unhappy, uh, but the employees are not taking risks because they expect to be told what to do. And when they're told what to do, it's presented in such a way that, that the decision has already been made. Um, and I think this is a subtle culture that's hard to describe to people, that it, the negativities of it. So I wondered if anybody else has seen that sort of thing, and and how do you how do you point that out to people? Yeah, I've seen that on on all sorts of different levels, and it's you're right. When you're telling people what to do, what that really does is that just tells them that they don't have to think about it. They don't have to think about the problem or what to do, and it you know you end up losing a lot that way because. You, there's a lot of smart, creative people out there that think of things and think of the ways to do things that are different than than just you. And if you're, you know, you're not taking advantage of that and and providing that that freedom for those people to think, that opportunity for those people to think by just telling them what to do, you're 
you're missing out. So yeah, I've seen that. I think I think I've also seen in kind of a similar vein where um, the man- management says it's open to criticism or open to new ideas, but then the the people that work for the organization are almost guilt tripped into choosing what management wants anyway. Like it's it like the choices are presented and it, you get like an illusion of choices, but then there's like an obvious right answer. And if you pick anything other than one of those three options, right, then uh, like it, it doesn't feel like you have more than those three options and there's only one right answer within those three options. Like I've seen that happen in the past. I, I don't know if that still works. Like if the developers still feel like they get a choice or if they see, if they consciously or subconsciously see right through that and uh, if that still really hurts them. I don't know. So what are the what are the risks to the the teams in a culture like that? Um, you, you know, uh, the one the team that I, or the company that I'm thinking about um, is doing nominally at least doing Scrum, um, and what they end up with is kind of the, just this ritual that doesn't really have too much meaning. Um, they do the retrospective and they talk about little things that can be changed but not big things because they they're waiting for the boss to tell them what the big things are and they talk about uh they plan things that are safe they get you know they they know exactly what the boss has told them through the product owner or maybe just the boss directly what they should be working on how they should create it and so they just plan it as if they're going to do it the way they're told, and they don't they don't interject any contrarian ideas in the planning, et cetera. Uh, it becomes very flat. I, I think, and what the problem you get with that is that you have a bunch of mindless drones that are working, right? And you don't get you lose a ton of creativity and innovation because really you have one in that situation where everybody listens to the boss and, and the boss comes up with all the ideas. You have one creative person within the entire organization, and there is no way, no matter how creative that person is going to uh, is that he is ever going to be able to, to be even close to the sum of how creative an entire organization could be if everybody was allowed to add their own experiences and, and add their own unique um, viewpoints and uh, ideas to the, whatever the product is. And yeah. Eventually, they'll self-select, too, that you'll, your team will become the ones that are willing to follow. Mm-hmm. And you'll, you'll, the ones that want to lead, want to try something new and stuff, they, they will find other places to go. Yeah, I agree with all that, especially the the lack of innovation. And, and I think you get less ownership, too, from the people that are working on that, uh, whatever it is, less ownership. And, and you, you kind of cheat yourself out of the, the joy of being surprised when somebody, you know, overachieves and comes up with some, something great that, you, you know, you hadn't thought of. And, I like that, uh, the joy of being surprised. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's imagine that uh, you've been brought in by somebody in this organization uh, who's, who's realized that this is going on, uh, but not the, not the top leadership. How, how would you approach this with them? Because they're, they're nice guys. They're, they're doing a good job. They're treating their people well. What are you going to do? So, so wait, so, so not the top leadership, but sort of the, the, the yeah, mid-level let's say leadership? A, let's say a second-level manager yeah. or has, has noticed that this is going on. I mean, it sounds like that'd be, that, that's really tough because especially when the entire organization thinks it's a good thing and everybody thinks they're as happy as they could be, like that, that makes it really difficult to convince anybody that there's anything wrong, uh, especially because doing, uh, like introducing change and having the, C, the CEO or whoever's at the top try to 
um, like to try to convince him to start listening to input is going to be hard on him. And why would he do that? Because he's happy as it is. I mean, there's a lot of benefits for the business as a whole and for all of the employees. But I think it's going to be very difficult to justify that to somebody who has never seen the effect of that type of culture in person. So I would try to maybe see if you can integrate that CEO or whoever the bottleneck is into a culture that has this open quality and kind of show off the benefits and show what's possible when you allow that type of stuff to happen. I, I would seek out um, experiential events, experiential ways to show the benefits. Uh, there's certain, I, I'm trying to think of specific ones, but there, there are certain different agile games, uh, innovation games, etc., that even the playing field and create a situation where people who usually don't talk or usually don't introduce creative ideas are allowed that space to do so, mm-hmm. including perhaps, uh, you know, doing some things that are just with the team members and not with management to try and create some safe environments to let some of the creativity blossom. Um, you know, you'd have, I'd have to go back and look at some of those ideas, but I know they exist where you can, uh, I always remember the first retrospective I did with a team where we did the dot voting at the end where the, the, the most um, outspoken member of the team waited to the very end to do his votes and he went up to the board and and he said i don't have enough votes to make it go to the way i want and and that was a radical change to the team because suddenly the rest of the members realized they had a voice and and they had a way to start speaking up and and they could say things and this dominating player didn't have didn't have the ability to dominate in that situation Mm -hmm. No, I agree with all that. Just uh, m- more education, lots of reading material about this, um, self-organizing teams and letting them, letting the team make decisions and uh, seeing it done, uh, going and visiting other teams and, and watching how they work is absolutely a good thing. What do you think is the root cause of a, of a behavior like that? Um, I, I think the root cause is um, could be just coming from a from an organization that that sort of worked that way, where you were expected to be that guy. Um, you know that you don't have a team, and so you're 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 the guy who has to solve everything. And so you solve that, and as you as the people grow and the team grows, you still solve things and just tell them how to do it. And it's kind of the the traditional project management you know, model is certainly much more, uh, you know, much closer to that, that approach than the agile approach. In in smaller companies, this is, this is kind of a natural thing where you have a a three, five person company that has grown a lot within a year and say they've doubled the number of people. Um, As those new people come on, they look to the people that were there as the answer people and, and that can stick. Um, I, I'm not sure how it creates in a large company, how you would have a department or a team or a group of teams that has this sort of ideas. Um, I, it could be the uh, it could be the, the managerial breeding that uh, you guys had a scrum cast recently about how we tend to hire people who think the same way we do. And so if you think that you should tell people what to do, you're going to hire people that think they should listen to what you do, say to do. Uh, and you can grow it. A whole company that way probably and, and it feels good to be like it's that, that person who is the one who rescues everybody has almost got like that martyr syndrome where it's like it feels good to be the guy that the saves hero. the entire team yeah. every time and, and as soon as somebody else starts 
you know, stealing your thunder, like as a, the boss, like I could see how it'd be really tempting to throw him out and be like, no, that's that's mine. I I get to save this organization. You yeah. get to you get to Little be saved. Involved. That is your privilege. Yeah. There's only one Superman on this team. Right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. All right. Thanks. Great. Thanks. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. 